Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Missing on the Crawl Space Media Network. If you like this show, you will love Crawl Space, which is also hosted by us. We launched Crawl Space in 2017, and we have a huge catalog of incredible and thought-provoking interviews. Check out our entire network of shows at crawlspace-media.com. February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass Amherst student Maura Murray disappeared in the White Mountains of New Hampshire in one of the most perplexing mysteries of our time. For years, we have covered Maura's case and the tireless online community that surrounds it in great detail. We have since expanded our mission with this series, raising awareness and shining a light on the stories of other missing persons. We now sit on the board of directors of the nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing, which was founded by Bruce Maitland. Bruce's daughter, Brianna Maitland, went missing from Montgomery, Vermont on March 19th of 2004, just six weeks after and about 80 miles away from where Maura Murray vanished. Private Investigations for the Missing aims to assist with investigations for underserved families whose missing loved ones have been forgotten by the media or by law enforcement. Through our growing community, we hope to shed a light on these cold cases. Families and loved ones can reach out to us at investigationsforthemissing.org. This is Missing. Welcome back to Missing. I'm Tim here today with Lance and Jen. How's it going, you two? It's going really well. I'm very excited for this. It's uh, something a little new. We got a little update episode. How are you, Jen? I'm doing very well. I'm also excited for this mini-sode update. Um, We have some pretty interesting stuff to tell you about the Archer Ray Johnson case. We do, and we covered Archer Ray Johnson in three episodes that aired maybe about a month ago or so. So we're talking December of 2020 and January of 2021. 
and we spoke with Taylor and Nikki, Archer's daughter and granddaughter, and Jennifer. We spoke with you in the first two episodes. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the disappearance? Because you've definitely done a lot more research on it than Lance and I. Well, well informed on this case. Um, yeah, so Archer Ray Johnson went missing out of a place called Brooklyn, Washington. Well, it's Washington State, not D.C. Um, in 1986. His, he was um, cutting wood, allegedly, with his brother Earl and his brother's girlfriend Rosa. Um, Archer left that property and drove down a road. And then Earl and Rosa followed about 10 to 15 minutes later and discovered Archer's truck abandoned on this road, and he was never heard from again. Okay, and you have some updates on uh, some maybe some follow-up based on the coverage that we've done so far? Yeah, um, so I've maintained a really great relationship with Nikki and Taylor. Um, They're really good about updating me as they go along in their own personal search um, so they have been using the podcast actually as a way to broach the conversation within their family, because this has been a thing that they haven't really spoken about with the rest of their family. And there was some suspicion cast on Archer's brother, Earl, that Earl might've had something to do with his brother's disappearance. So it is it is a kind of a touchy subject within the Johnson family. But recently, Nikki had reached out to a few members of her family who have never actually spoken about this case, even amongst their own family. And she gave us permission to talk about some of that today. There was two family members that both agreed 90% that Archer is on Rosa Buterak's property. His remains are on Rosa Buterak's property. They didn't allege that Earl had anything to do with it, but they were very concerned that Rosa actually had something to do with it. Okay, and of course, Rosa was Earl's girlfriend um, from the episodes. And also, I want to invite you, in case this isn't obvious, but uh, to go back and listen to those those episodes that we did in this case, um, because there is a lot of information in there. And we do speak about Rosa and about Earl and kind of their story on the day Archer went missing and how it it doesn't seem to make a ton of logical sense and there's maybe the issue of some drinking involved. So that could really um, be the answer on why it doesn't make any sense, but uh, it does seem like they either have more information or just have bad memories regarding um, that day. Or they're involved. Right. Too. Both are deceased at this point. And what are the, the other uh, Johnson family members, wh- wh- how do they feel about Rosa and Earl? I'm not too sure about their feelings on Earl. They didn't really touch on whether he would be capable of something like this or not, but they were all extremely suspicious of Rosa. Now, Rosa and Earl, I think we're casually seeing each other, um, but Rosa owned a rather large property just across the street from Earl think it was something between 60 and 70 acres big so it was quite an area if you were going to stash remains somewhere that would be the place to do it did the family give you any indication where their distrust of rosa began was there a uh, was there a triggering moment was was there some sort of catalyst to this um i'm not 
exactly sure if she had done anything directly to the Johnson family, but they all described her as, I think I used the words odd duck before in a previous episode, but yeah, she was, she was super strange. Um, there's one anecdote that a neighbor related that Rosa was quick to anger. She had a bit of a temper and she carried around a firearm. And when she was at the bar one day, this this is Brooklyn Tavern near her home near uh, Brooklyn, Washington. She actually shot up the bar. I don't think she harmed anybody, but she did discharge her weapon in a bar, which is, I would say, pretty crazy. That's odd. So, and uh, is there any more on that story? Is that is that confirmed? Um, I can't tell if it's confirmed. Um, it was related to Nikki by two separate people, so I don't know if it was just a rumor that was circulating. But <laughs> it seems like a strange thing to make up that she would shoot up a bar that everybody went to. You know. Do you have any idea about the motive? If Rosa is responsible for archer's i mean potential demise i don't know anything about the motive one thing that was mentioned by a neighbor is that rosa consorted with some questionable characters this neighbor said that rosa was connected to the members of the manson family which i'm not sure if that's substantiated at all this is like quite a bit of time after the manson murders so maybe she just meant like hippies who were involved in drugs or that sort of thing. And she also alleges that Rosa was running a very small drug operation out of her shed on her property. Really? Did they mention what kind of drugs? They did not mention what kind of drugs, but I imagine if Archer was mixed up in that sort of thing, even if he wasn't involved in the business of selling drugs or using or anything like that, he could have witnessed something that could have set Rosa off. Okay, and you, you mentioned uh, members of the Manson family. Was that information given, like, maybe they were saying they looked like they could have been members of the Manson family, or were they actually members of the Manson family? And to be clear, the Manson family was in existence in the 60s and 70s, and I believe the murder of Sharon Tate occurred in the late 60s or early 70s. So we're not implying that Charlie Manson and or his family had anything to do with Archer's disappearance. You're simply saying this is the type of people that Rosa, I guess, uh, had in her in her present company, in her immediate company. Yeah, I, I'm more apt to, to think that, that it was the type of person that they were referring to. But the event in which they saw these people consort with Rosa might have taken place in the 70s and not in the 80s when Archer disappeared. It's possible, I suppose, that it could have been members of the Manson family, but I think it's more potentially just like some hippie people that uh, the the people who were like uh, farmers and uh, loggers and that sort of thing wouldn't necessarily trust. All right, sort of a counterculture community. Yeah, and I think the Manson family was like sort of part of the cultural zeitgeist at the time, and so they maybe just got stuck on that verbiage and meant just like questionable hippie-type characters. Okay. Now, I, I don't want to get too hung up on Rosa, but the family seems to have a pretty strong opinion that she 
might have had something to do with his disappearance, from what I'm gathering. Well, we all we also have a witness statement that implicates Rosa and her son and another neighbor in Archer's disappearance and his demise. They allege that Rosa killed Archer and disposed of his body. Well, it sounds like a great place to look and definitely check out those episodes to hear all about that. And I want to let everyone know that Nikki and Taylor have launched some social media pages. They have a Twitter page at FindArcherRJ. They also have an Instagram at FindArcherRayJohnson and a Facebook at Facebook.com slash FindArcherRayJohnson. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Jen, are they organizing a search, or is that in the works at all? It is in the works. Um, they are currently, Nikki and Taylor, that is, are currently speaking to a company that has a dog team of cadaver dogs, and I think they may be offering their services to the Johnsons free of charge. Um, once this is confirmed, I'd be happy to share the name the names of these people who are donating um, a very valuable resource to to re- to uh, search this property. Um, <laughs> Taylor, um, Archer's granddaughter, recently had a birthday, and all she wanted to do for her birthday is go to the Buterac property and meet the people who now own that property. So they did. So they drove, um, I want to say, like 45 minutes all the way to the Buterac property. And... Um, met uh the guy who owns who owns the property now he, they said he was super nice he he's a farmer he sells eggs that type of thing and he was pretty am- amenable to um having his property searched i think he was more apt to agree to a civilian search rather than a police search at this time but doesn't preclude a police search in the future well that's incredible it's amazing yeah, happy birthday, Taylor, and uh, what yeah. a birthday wish. I love that, and uh, th- that that's wonderful of the property owner, so big thanks to that person as well. Yeah, totally. Are you aware of how long the current property owner has owned the property? I think it's pretty recent, like less than five years. Okay, and was it a direct uh, sale from the previous owner? Okay, so so there was, was there anyone in between them? So the property uh, was passed from Rosa Buterak to her son. His name is Dragon. Um, and the current owner bought the property from her son. So this current owner met both Rosa and Dragon, I believe, and called Rosa, quote, crazy, and Dragon, quote, odd. That's what the current owner told Nikki and Taylor? Yes, I believe so. And said the words crazy, that this woman, woman and her son, she's crazy and Dragon is odd. So there was another piece of information that the current owner of this property gave to Nikki and Taylor, and that was before he bought the property, several neighbors around the Buterac property tried to warn him against buying the property, tried to scare him away 
in Why? his own words. I don't know. He doesn't know what the the threat was, what they were trying to say, don't buy it because of blank? He, yeah, he didn't know what exactly the threat was, um, but I imagine it has something to do with perhaps the, the drug business they were running out of it, and perhaps due to human remains that are still on that property. So I think it's more than worth uh, the police's or civilians' time to search that property for Archer. Jen, what's the story with this woman in black? Okay, so this is the thing that Nikki, this is Archer's daughter, uh, that Nikki remembers from Earl's funeral. So she was still uh, quite a young woman at the time, but her memory is of a woman dressed in black, as you would at a funeral, but she said it was like not a normal kind of dress. It was um, kind of drapey materials like one would imagine like Stevie Nicks would wear. Um, And she said that this woman had a very mysterious presence at Earl's funeral. So she's thinking that this was Rosa Buterak. Hmm. Well, that that could be interesting. So they didn't know what Rosa looked like before that? Yeah, Nikki Nikki had never met Rosa, like, face-to-face. She just knew of her. The way you describe the story, I'm picturing her... I guess in the distance behind some mausoleum, uh, like peeking around a corner, was she actually right there with everybody else? She seemed, uh, I think based on, on Nikki's story, she seemed to be standing a little bit aback from the family, like the Johnson family, but she was there to pay her respects, which I mean, would make sense and maybe completely innocent if she was involved with Earl at one time or another. Um, but I don't think that they were dating for that long. It wasn't like she was his long-term partner or anything like that. Jeez, so what's next for Nikki and Taylor and you? What What are the next steps? So I think we're going to try to get together with those, uh, with those people who have the dog search team and uh, organize a search in Washington. Um, the Nikki and Taylor are trying to get their friends and family together for obviously a socially distanced search but uh they're really hoping that the uh that the property yields something of interest um the other thing that's super important and i'm not sure if this is directly related to um the podcast or like just new attention onto the case but they recently assigned a new sergeant to archer ray johnson's place this is grays harbor sheriff's office that's fantastic as well. And we got a link from a listener about a John Doe who was found and who had some interesting jewelry, I guess uh, a ring. Um, so thanks to Phoenix for the the information. And uh, Jen, can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, I was uh, super grateful to receive that message. I mean, the, that's how these things get solved is that people listen or people um, hear the story and it jogs their memory or they see something else. Uh, see a, a John or a Jane Doe and connect it to a case that they've they've heard about. So um, using the information that was publicly available, I reached out to the uh, sheriff's department of the area where these skeletal remains were found. And this is a different state than Washington. Um, but I reached out to the sheriff directly and uh, we are in contact and discussing Uh, the possibility that it may be Archer Johnson's remains. 
Well, without going into any details about your new relationship with law enforcement, I think it is important to note that Private Investigations for the Missing has members who can communicate with law enforcement like yourself and have a good relationship because we always talk about law enforcement you know, not following up on something or the case is too old or dropping the ball or not having enough resources. So it's really refreshing to hear that this sheriff is open to talking with a civilian about a case that is decades old. That's very refreshing to hear. So well done on that. And uh, again, just wanted to make a note of that, that there is a not not all of the relationships that occur with these cold cases uh, with law enforcement are are negative ones. Like there there's a fair share of good relationships. Yeah, and I never want it to be a negative um, response from law enforcement. I relish the departments that reach out to us. And I'm not saying that they have to share all their information. I get why law enforcement would keep some information close to their chest. That's just how investigations work. But to freeze us out entirely is also not the answer. So I really appreciate these departments that are willing to work with us in some capacity. Because we're all trying for the same thing, right? When a person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers, but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. 
Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.